0: And so here we are, Luke chapter 5, 17 through 25. It came to pass on a certain day he was teaching, and there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which had come from every town, Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was there to heal them. I want you to notice that the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but the only knowledge we have of a healing is of the man that was let down through the roof. I think, it's, uh, I think it's clear that Luke wanted us to understand that Jesus' power <coughs> to heal was present. Yes. Amen. And we can, we can look at this. See, so the, the people that were there were the doctors and the, and the law professors of the time, which were the religious sect of the time, Pharisees, Sadducees. And interestingly enough, you know, uh, they were very intellectual people. And I want to just stop for a minute and say, One of the things I read this morning from Proverbs chapter 3 is that we're not to trust in our own. We're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart lean not to our own understanding. Sometimes intellectualism can be a difficult thing for us. As a matter of fact, if you rely on your intellectualism more than you do on God, you've made a big grave error. When your head is saying more than your heart is saying. You know, there's nothing wrong with education and intellectualism. We ought to have that, and at times that can be very helpful. But when it becomes what we rely on, somebody say amen. You know, God wants to be what we rely on. How many know God is our source? Look at somebody and say, my God God shall supply all all my needs. It matters that we don't allow even money. You know, there's nothing wrong with having money. There's not a thing wrong with you and I having money, but at the moment we rely on the money. The moment that our reliance and our comfort is in the money or our education or our job or our family or the attorney. No, they're just sources that God uses, but God is the source. Look at some and say, God is, the God is the source. We're to rely on God. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. First thing I want to say here, I believe that there were a lot of intellectuals sitting in that room who were reasoning. Instead of by faith, they were in their head. You know that there's nothing wrong with having a head, but you've got to let faith speak more than your head speaks. Amen. Faith is of the heart, not of the head. As a matter of fact, he said we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Thank God we don't have to believe with our head. Because if we had to believe with our head, last night when I kicked the bed frame, I might not have thought I saved. Somebody say amen. Amen. No, we believe in our heart. We know in our heart. And we have to learn to live there. So don't rely on things. Don't rely on people. Don't rely on money. And don't rely on you. Rely on God. The second thing I see here is that there were people here that had come. The power of God was there to heal. But instead, they were there as observers. Many people come to church or they come into the presence of God as only observers. They're not there to partake. You know, it would be like having a dinner and they set the dinner out and nobody ate it. When we come to the house of God and we come to the things of God, we've got to partake of those things. You and I have got to get the fork out and eat it. Amen. Amen you have to partake they weren't there they were there let me tell you what else they were there they were there as critics they were there as judges and judgmental we can see that from their response to Jesus when he said thy sins be forgiven thee their criticism and their critical nature came out I want to tell you something there is nothing more damaging and destructive to to receiving the power of God in your life than having a critical spirit It disqualifies you. A critical spirit will disqualify you from the power of God bringing to bear into your situation. Many people need hear- miracles, healings, signs, wonders, and deliverance. And on occasion, they're fine. While they're in a certain position and while the going is good, all is well, they're, they're all for you and you never hear anything. And you see it in their lives. They want to get a healing. But you can also see, and they begin to come, become critical, They begin to become judgmental of things that aren't even their position. First of all, they weren't the ones giving the miracle. And yet they were standing in judgment of the gift that was standing right in front of them. You know, people will come to church and they'll begin to judge the gift. You know, God called me to be the orchestrator of our services. He called me to come do that. And so I know things you don't know. I'm dealing with things that you don't deal with. I'm supposed to deliver things you're not supposed to deliver. And so somebody might get up here and, and become critical of the song service and say, well, they, they should have went a little further with that song service. They didn't worship enough. We've had that over the years. Long time, years would go by and people would come and they'd become critical of, we, we, we sang a fast song, should have sang a slow one after that, or we didn't sing a slow one, or we didn't sing a fast one. But you ain't the one delivering the word. You're not the gift that God brought into the house. Right. Now, let me read some notes that I wrote on this. They came as inspectors and critics. Folks, when you come to the house of God, just come to receive go with the flow just go with the flow many have missed it because of a critical spirit finding faults or fault finding discrediting it disqualifies one from accessing the power of god as a matter of fact many people leave churches they're not in here today hearing the word of god that might change their life and long enough would change their life They're not here today to hear on healing and hear about healing. They need healings in their families, need healings in their body. But they're not in here today where the word is being taught because they got critical. And that criticism steered them away or pulled them away from what would have blessed them. Stop trying to decide what isn't your business. It wasn't their business. The man of God is is the servant, is not your servant. I like this. The man of God is not your servant. He's the Lord's servant. When you come to the house of God and I, the pastor, am up there, I'm not your servant. I'm the Lord's servant. I'm not following what you think is right. I'm following what the Lord told me to do. (laughs) Somebody ought to shout out amen. Amen. The Lord tells me to close down and go home. Go with the flow. The Lord tells me to preach a message like he did this morning. Go with the flow. I said, but you don't understand. I got to go. I got to eat. Golden Corral, that food gets cold about one o'clock. I got to eat. You need this more than you need Golden Corral's food. Or God wouldn't have told me to say it, to preach it. I would have loved to have quit after the choir special. I was going to heaven a few minutes ago. Now I'm preaching the words. Somebody say amen. You got to go with the flow. God didn't call you. For the responsibility. See, many people, they don't, they don't feel and don't wield the responsibility that I wield. So it's easy to sit there in armchair quarterback. It's easy to sit there and say, well, this is what they should have done. If they'd have done this, we'd have just gone into the presence of the Lord. But before I ever came out, I got with the Lord. And he said, this is what you're supposed to do. Somebody say amen. amen. And when you get critical, it'll pull you away. You need to stay, steer away from critical voices. Only one man. The one who wasn't in the room. <laughs> Only one man, the one who couldn't get in the room, was healed. And he had to go through the roof to get past all the doubters. Somebody say amen. Watch out for critical spirits. I'm not your servant. Men of God are not your servant. They're the Lord's servant. Then let the Lord deal with them. Not your job to deal with them. Let the Lord deal with them. Somebody say amen. amen. Your job is to pray for them, love them, lift them up, and then leave them in God's hands to deal with. Anything else will disqualify you from the power of God. It's a disqualification. The judgment, uh, or the moment you touch the things of God with a critical judgment, you will cut yourself off from the power of God. Many people are sick today because they have been critical, sat in criticism, came to church not to receive, but to criticize, to judge. Some are, some are sitting in beds today with cancers they can't get rid of because their entire church experience was not to be a, a person that was involved in church to receive from God or to be the catalyst for somebody else to receive, but they were there judging and critical. And today they're in beds and they need to get past their critical nature I said that my mom and dad were very critical. It really hindered their ministry, but it was a lot of jealousy. They wanted to perform and do well and, and grow their ministries, and sometimes it didn't grow right. And so I watched them become critical of other ministers. Now, I am strong about doctrine and I'm strong about ra- righteous living, but you know something we ought to be careful about what we say in criticism? Somebody yeah. say amen. Yeah. The first thing that the men, these four men, and this other guy came up against was obstacles and obstruction. When they got there, it'd be like coming to the church and all the finest donkeys were out front, you because know, all the lawyers and all the doctors were there, so all the Cadillac donkeys were out front. <laughs> Somebody say amen. And the parking lot was so full they couldn't pull, their four. I mean, these four guys are holding on the four corners of a bed sheet, so to speak, and they're carrying this guy in, and they can't even get through the crowded donkeys and all the, all the, all the, all the stuff that was out there. To get. Then when they got to the door, they were met by security. I many of you ever come up to the front my mom every time she'd come to church they'd shuffle her at least three or four times at the altar you know because the lion would be there for the prayer line they'd shuffle her she'd just walk away you know she'd get mad she'd get up and says i don't know why they got to touch me i don't know why they got to move me i just went up there to get prayed for and all these people moving me around who cares i got i'm here to get touched move me where you want to sit me in the put me in the hallway i don't care or they'd be in the parking lot. I just remember they'd show up to church and be in the parking lot and, and somebody would make them move their car because they were parked in the wrong spot or something before they ever got in the door. Man, they was I'm mad. <laughs> I have come to realize that if you're going to get something from God, there will be obstructions and obstacles. Yes. Yes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I haven't ever gone to get something from God that there wasn't somebody, something, somewhere, some kind of something, something that was coming against me getting my stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, there were all kinds of obstacles, all kinds of obstructions. The very first thing that we, we'll deal with when it comes to God is inconvenience. Uh-huh. Right. I, I used to say this, that the Spirit of God moves where inconvenience is done away with or beyond convenience, that, we, that, we, that if we want from God, we've got to move beyond convenience. You know, when we only come to church, when we're sick, uh, and before we're sick, when we only come to church I mean, based on convenience, Come on, because football season's coming up. I don't know about nobody else, but I love football. I'm gonna have to miss the first half hour on Sunday night. That's inconvenient for me, but I would rather be inconvenienced for the power of God. If you're gonna get something from God, you're gonna have to go beyond convenience. They were inconvenienced. Completely and totally inconvenienced. So much so that the only place they could look was up. I like that. They had to look up. You know, when you're, in, when you're going through a challenge, look up. Amen, that's a good... That's just a little... That was free, didn't cost you nothing. Amen. Look up. Obstacles can get in us. We need to be careful not to let them in us. We can look at this and say, opposition did not become a deterrence. Opposition did not become a deterrence. They did not allow the opposition to hinder their objective. Many people, when it gets tough, you know that old saying... When the road gets tough, the tough get going. There are some, just the slightest wind of inconvenience come and they out. The slightest challenge to their faith and they're done. They've had enough. They wilt under the shallowest things. The car breaks down and they're done with church. God didn't heal. God didn't take care. The washing machine breaks down. I mean, just the slightest, it ought to be more than that to get you out of the house of God. Matter of fact, that shouldn't mean nothing could get you out of the house of God. Realize that it was not just, I want you to realize, when you look at these four people, the Bible goes on to say that Jesus saw their faith. Sometimes we look at this and think that the only four people, the only people that had faith in this situation were the four people carrying the bed. But I've come well enough to know, I've seen sick people, dealt with sick people, done all kinds of things. According to this, he saw their faith. That included the fifth guy the one laying on the bed has anybody ever been sick and somebody said let's go to church oh come on now has anybody ever been sick and somebody said let's go to church have you ever had a headache and knew that it was sunday night and it's 6:25 and you know you got to be at church at 6:30? and what does the devil do you don't need to go you don't need to go let me tell you this man was sick And the reason he was in the house of God is because he had faith. When those boys said to him, how about we go to the meeting, there was something. And when they, just think about this now. I want you just to imagine being there, go to the situation. These four guys say, look, dude, we can't get in. You know, I mean, the place is too crowded. There ain't a parking spot for us. I mean, not a door, not a window, not a seat. You can't even get to Jesus. I got an idea. Can you imagine? I mean, I want you to be the guy on the bed. Hey, dude, I got an idea. Let's go up on the roof. Sick dude now. Let's go up on the roof and let's cut a hole in the roof. Now, can you imagine? I mean, it ain't like you're going to enter unaware. Not like you're going to go into the building and nobody know know you there. Because if, if somebody started cutting a hole, debris would start falling. Somebody say Amen. And this is what happened. These men said to him, let's go through the roof. This guy was, I mean, didn't care whether he was going to be embarrassed, looked that funny or whatever, said, okay. <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. And they put this. So there were five people in faith. This man had faith to go before Jesus. Faith opens doors. There were no doors to go through. Many people only want to walk through an open door. And they're waiting on God to open a door. Folks, they cut a hole in a roof to make a door faith will make faith will make a door where there is no door glory to God if it's got to go on the roof it will make a door I'm going to get there no matter what it takes I can't be defeated and I will not quit I don't care how big the challenge is. This man was a paralytic. He was paralyzed, and he showed his faith. He went through inconvenience. He went through all these things, and faith opened the door. They cut a hole in the roof, and they said, we're gonna drop you right in his lap. Amen. (laughs) He ain't gonna walk through the door. Let's just put you in his lap. Somebody say Jesus was not affected by their actions. Instead, he saw their faith. However, he was upset with those who were not in faith. God's not offended by you coming and pressing through the crowd. God doesn't get disturbed that you will initiate a healing or a desire. God doesn't get mad when you'll cut a hole in a roof. Somebody say amen. Amen. I want you to see this. The Lord saw their faith. In order for us to receive what God has promised to us, there is a vision that God needs to see. There is something that needs to be seen. Faith is seen faith is seed because faith is an act he sees something this is what god sees and if i were to title my message today i would say faith is persistent faith is persistent and it pursues persistently and it stays on course doesn't get distracted or deterred. It is persistent, it knocks, and 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 it believes, and it knocks, and it knocks, and it doesn't give up, and it doesn't quit. I tell you, you'll win if you just won't quit. Glory to God, look at some and say, you'll win if you just don't quit. Persistence is getting to Jesus and to the promises of God. It must be the hallmark of our faith and the way we receive is by the promises and provisions of God, and we persistently go after them. Real faith will overcome and pursue the promises of God with persi- persistence. When a way is closed to you, you won't quit. Don't give up. Press on, press in, and make a way to Jesus. And our faith needs to have some violence to it. There has to be a breaking sometimes and a cutting there's always an access to the power of God. God will reveal it. We just need to stop yielding and stop quitting. Right. Stop falling back so often and getting into sorrow and pity. When things don't go right, stand up and say, God told me this is the way it's supposed to be. Right. I love preaching because I get to preach myself happy. <laughs> Speak my faith, amen. Amen. There's always an access to God, never yielding. The last point that we want to make before we go home today is that that, that he said, your sins be forgiven me. It was really a difficult challenge for those that were there to criticize and all because how could Jesus say such a thing? The point is is that Jesus wasn't talking to them. (laughs) If ever you'll understand, God meets us where our needs are. And that he deals with me and he deals with you, but he loves each and every single one of us. He has no respect or a person, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God will meet you where you are. Amen. One of the worst things that I've ever seen believers do. This is the worst thing, Miss Joan. I, I is you'll go in and you just see that they feel guilty and they're oppressed. By where they've been and what they've done and how they got themselves in it. My dad was uh, lost half of his body and I remember talking to him a lot about this. He had a stroke. He always believed it was his fault. This is how it went down the day he had the stroke. We, we were out. I, I dug worms as a 15-year-old at $3 a thousand. And my dad went out to do it with me because he wanted me to learn a work ethic so he went out and dug the worms with me. $3 a thousand. This is the pastor of the church Several hundred people in the church, and he went with me to dig worms so he could show me how to work. And so when he got done, he, you know, he was overweight, and he liked a lot of foods and stuff, and had been to the doctor a couple weeks earlier, and they told him, you really are close to the hospital, your blood pressure too high, your sugar's too high, you need to take this medication, you stop eating, you need to get on a diet, and you need to straighten your life out, and my dad really didn't do it. So I remember digging the worms with him that morning, then he had a softball game that night. And my dad was a former professional baseball player. When he played softball, if the pitch came near him, it was over the fence. And when he played third base, he played halfway between third base or first base and the home plate just to intimidate the other team. That's how good he was. He never played the bag. He played in halfway in between. He would play halfway between you and the bag. It didn't matter how hard they hit it. Poop, he'd throw them out, catch it, whatever it was. Wasn't scared of the bag, nothing. Man, amazing athlete. He hit four home runs in the game. Ran the bases four times. By that night, he'd worked all day out in the farm with me, gone and played baseball. Well, that night, he all of a sudden lost control of his body, his arm just started jumping. And his leg, it just it was just just uncontrollable, convulsive. My mom thought he was faking. So we got up and he said, Son, let's go for a run. So he and I went for a a mile and a half run around our our uh, neighborhood. And then he came back and, and eventually he slept. The next day i went to work he stayed home because he was tired by noon he had had a stroke lost half of his body we put him in the car i got the call and, the, and they said let's go take your dad to the hospital he is he's lost half his body and so we he says Let, let's go to the doctor's office first so we go to the doctor's office we pull up to the doctor's office and uh we lean him against the car his arms hanging you know and all drawn up face drawn up and uh, uh the doctor comes out for lunch and sees him leaning against the car he says I can't do nothing for you. Go to the emergency room. He says, you done had a stroke. I can't do a thing for you. Go. We put him back in the car, took him to the emergency room. Me and my dad sat in the emergency room while, the, while they were doing all the tests and all that stuff. And he's still, you know, stroke is progressing because it's not thought. And he says to me, he says, son, I'm losing the other half. He said, will you believe with me? And I laid hands on him. I said, in Jesus' name, that this half would come back. And, and, and you know, right, rightfully, right there in front of me, his, that half and his speech. And his speech, he lost his speech, and his speech came right back right there. Unfortunately, his arm and his leg didn't come back. But after that, from that point on, my dad always felt like he would always say it was my fault. It was my fault. And, and, and one time when he, he, had, he actually had a miracle, he woke up in the middle of the night, walked into the bathroom and looked at the mirror. He didn't even know he was going to the bathroom. When he, when he looked, his body was right, his leg was right, his arm was right and all this stuff. And he said, I can't believe it. And immediately he was back crippled again. True story. The reason my dad, I believe this with all my heart, the reason my dad lived with his strokes is because he believed he deserved it. And he believed it, he believed it was his fault. He could not get past the fact that it was his fault he was in that condition. And when God would want to heal him, he would always fall back. And see, this is this man. Jesus knew the condition of this man's heart. And Jesus was saying, it doesn't matter what your past is. There are many people sitting here saying, I was raised in a terrible home, in an awful home. And they lived the rest of their life in a terrible home. They use conditions or things they've done to feel guilty and feel like they can never overcome and never have the blessings of God in their life, never be free because it was their fault. They deserved this. You don't know what I did. You don't know. You didn't see my past life. My past life was horrible, and I deserve this. This is my lot in life. This is what, I mean, I'm being, this is the price. And Jesus said, no. It doesn't matter. Thy sins (laughs) be forgiven thee. It does not matter where you come from. It does not matter what your history is. (laughs) It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter the lifestyle you lived. Glory to God. Glory to God. Jesus said, When you ask me for forgiveness, I am faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Nothing can prohibit your healing because Jesus did it based on him. He did it based on him, not based on you. Nothing can stop your blessing. He did it based on him, not on you. Yeah. And when this man received that knowledge and he really got the understanding, I don't have to feel guilty anymore. I don't have to, li- I don't have to make up for my past mistakes when he got that knowledge and Jesus said, take up that bed and walk. He got up off that bed and he walked because the things of the past couldn't hold him anymore. Your past can't hold you anymore. Your mistakes, you say, I'm in this mess because of what I did. I spent too much. So what? Let's believe to get out. But I'm in debt because of my failure to discipline. So what? jesus said thy sins be forgiven that you don't have to lay on the bed of affliction anymore you can get up and say here's our difficulty here's the challenge with forgiveness you see when i go to god and i ask god to forgive me he can see my heart he don't got no trust issue He ain't got no trust issue because he knows whether you're real or not. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He knows when you said you were sorry whether or not you're sorry. He looks into the intents of the heart and so God ain't got no trust issue. That's why when you come and say Jesus forgive me, he will because he doesn't have a trust issue. However, I am not God I am a man and because I'm a man when you done did me wrong you can come say sorry to me but I got to see some fruit I, I got to see some fruit, I, I, got see some fruit. I, I got to know some fruit you're going to have to live some fruit for me because you done messed me over one time you done hurt me real 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 bad and I ain't got so, like, unlike God, I can't just say, sure, no problem. Now, in my heart, I might have forgiven you, but I ain't trusting you. Oh, uh-uh. no, sir. I'm not turning my folks back over to you and let you come in and tear my church up again. Nah. No! Man, don't you have some man come in your house and he done did all this mess and done messed around on you, and then all of a sudden he'd be like, I'm sorry. And you're like, oh, no problem. I forgive you and I just forget it. Oh. Uh-uh. Oh, 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 you better come in this house. I better be able to look in your phone. I better be able to look in your bank. I better be able to look in your closet. I better be able to look in your shoes. I don't got the same. Ain't a thing wrong with that. God made us that way. But this is the thing. When we come to God, he doesn't have trust issues don't you understand he doesn't have to work through the challenge he doesn't have to come to a point where we have confidence and so i've been in the car with somebody who was driving and and i was with them, and then they did all this crazy stuff and almost killed me the next time i got in the car i wasn't quite so sure (laughs) god ain't got that problem when we come to him we come to him he doesn't have the difficulty of the time lapse that you and I have. That's why he says your sins, glory to God, are forgiven thee. And here's the thing, this man didn't get a long-term healing process. The Bible says he got up immediately. Faith will give us an immediate answer.